This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also had some thoughts about the bottom six, especially the fourth line. Go for it. Take it away. Um, so third line. So I listened, even though I wasn't able to be on the podcast on Saturday because um, I was in Connecticut, which I always feel bad for missing. But um, I was doing the wonderful drive home from New Haven, which I love two hour drive. Um, and. I heard you guys what you said about Frederick and the game he had, the, the two-goal game he had against the Avs, um, and about how he just seems to be moving his legs more. Um, and I felt like he had another decent showing. He did take a penalty. Um, but in the time that he was on the ice, he was effective. He was moving. He was using his speed. Um, I thought Coyle had a, a good game. He's always been a good penalty killer. He did that again today. and when he was with Hall, I, I thought that that line did well. Fourth line, I had some issues with. I think everyone did. I think Nosek maybe had his worst game of the season. Um, I think because of that, Felino and Greer, well, especially Felino, because Felino has been able to get things going at, at different times, um, they kind of suffered, and that line didn't get all that much time because Nosek was yeah, – he just was not good. And by the way, when, when your role is, and you know, your role, your role is to, you know, not be a defensive liability when face-offs and kill penalties and you put yourself in the box um, and you're not able to, you know, kill off a penalty and you take, you take the penalty because you couldn't clear the puck. And then you have to try to put pressure on, you know, after the turnover and you hold a guy. And I just thought that he, Usually you want him to kind of like break even and, and he was definitely a, a negative on the team tonight Um, that I just thought he played pretty, pretty poorly. Yeah. He had that brutal play in the first period where he, it's a three on two. He's the trailer joining the rush gets a pass in, in the high slot, just a great a opportunity. And he throws a pass instead of taking the shot, he throws a pass over to Greer and just like flat out misses him by like five feet. Like pass just <laughs> wasn't near him. I wonder if some, sometimes this happens to me. Like, have you ever tried to like, you, you are like 
thinking two things at the same time. So you can't do either of them well. So you're like thinking, should I shoot or should I pass? And you just do something in between and just, just looks terrible. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like trying to talk and when I'm on a broadcast and I'll think of one word, then I'll think of another word that's better. And I'll say them like mix them together. <laughs> so like that kind of was what I thought. And the, the funny thing was live, the crowd reacted to it. Like, like something had like someone died. Like the reaction was like, I thought I was missing something at first. I was like, was there a penalty that I missed? Like, what? They were like, "Oh, <laughs> I know." Like, oh, I just were really mad at that. Pass. I've, I've never, I've never heard a crowd react like 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 that before to a play. It was it, you're <laughs> you're spot on, Bridget. It was like it, it, it was an audible just gasp, like like sheer disappointment. Like, what the hell was that? For for seventeen thousand people to do that at once, that was pretty <laughs> funny. It wasn't even like a oh, it was like a yeah, like you like you said, Bridget. Like oh. So, yeah, that was. I don't know what yeah. the hell that was. That that happens to me in the press box where like I I get caught between reaching for my keyboard to type and reaching for the popcorn and and I just get caught in between and you know my and hands he just, chokes and then he my chokes hands just like popcorn. awkwardly hanging out there. I no, that's true, Bridget. He almost on popcorn to today, and I said, yeah. I said, Scott, I wouldn't expect you to go any other way, and he said. Yes, I died doing what I love. Scott, Scott, talk talk us through your uh, what's your what's your routine when you, when you get up there for every game? Like, what's the first thing you do? You go right to the right to the machine. Popcorn. Yep. Right get, to the popcorn. get 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 popcorn. Eat popcorn. Can't can't confirm. <laughs> He's like a caveman. Can oh confirm today. That's the first place I saw him, and I fired <laughs> off a few really beautiful photos that I took of him in you know in his natural habitat near the popcorn machine. <laughs> anyway <laughs> must, it must must be typed to must be hard to type when you have uh butter all over your fingers but hey <laughs> well, listen, yeah. i was i was heading My over to get the mess. popcorn and scott beat me there and i thought there was going to be like a fight over it and he has a weird popcorn technique by the way to fill his bucket anyway um <laughs> he doesn't even use a scoop <laughs> What is just use the use, he just puts the his face there? right in the yeah. machine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just grab a, a whole handful. Yeah, just hands. Very unsanitary. No, I'm just kidding. He just puts the whole bowl in there and just hopes it comes out full. Um, all right. I think we should uh, we should probably move along in the game here. So the Bruins go down three zero. Um, as we alluded to earlier, Carlo um pitched in on 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 uh Martian's goal to make it three to one. He uh, moved up to Bergeron. Bergeron found Marchand cross crease, three to one, and then Bruins start feeling it even more so. And then with about 25, 24 seconds left, design play, McAvoy um, rims it hard around the boards. Bergeron lets it go. Um, Pashnak takes it on his forehand, does a spin around at the same time, and just you know wrists it home. Oh, elite, elite play. Um, unlike his giveaway in the first period. Um, By the way. So- like the symmetry of it, that was basically the same exact spot, like the same exact place along the boards that he committed the turnover. Obviously, you know, one was D zone because it was first period, the other O zone because it was second period, but same exact place on the ice. Yeah, I mean, just a f- fantastic finish on that play. Makes it three to two, huge goal going into the third period. And then, um, you know, Taylor Hall ties it on the, on the power play in the third and you know, the rest is history. Do you guys have any takeaways from just the Bruins? Um, I guess, come back in the second half of the game. Um, and just going to throw this out there as well. 
Scott, I know you sent us some something uh, earlier this week. A listener was looking for some updates on the Pashnak uh, contract negotiations and our feedback on that. So I think we should put them in the back table for now. Um, if you guys had any thoughts on the second half of the game when they came back, if not, we can just go right to that. Um, to Bridget's point, like highlighting Frederick's play, spot on. Uh, he led when he was on the ice he had the he had the best Corsi, best expected goals for the bruins they out attempted vegas 18 to 7 when he was on the ice and just another really good game for that third line of hall coil and frederick in general um when when they're on the ice the bruins outshot vegas 7 to 1 tonight um you know they, they didn't score but i thought they were consistently at the rack, consistently had the puck in the offensive zone making plays. So, you know, we've obviously we've talked about it before, but like having that kind of a third line playing like that, it's especially when, you know, we've waited for the top line to get going five on five. And, um, you know, they, they got another, well, they got two five and five goals, really. So, you know, one, uh, I think, was with DeBrusque, and then one was after Pasternak got moved up there. Um, you know, and, and the second line uh, at times has been a little hit or miss, but, like, to have that third line that can bring it and kind of pick it up if, if one of the top two lines is having a little bit of an off night it is huge. So I just wanted it- to quickly touch on that. It's especially big when it looks like there's like the top two lines did have a slower start, especially like I mentioned that that Krejci line had, um, you know, a pretty slow start. So you're looking for that spark that can change the momentum and all four of the lines, uh, you know, as they are, do have the ability to provide a spark if they're playing the game the way that they're supposed to play the game. Like, so with the coil line, I did think that they added energy to the, to the game when they were on the ice doing what they do best, which is, you know, possession, Frederick mixing it up after the whistle. Um, Just the third and fourth line both have the ability to kind of play that way and and add energy. And I think that the fourth line did not do that today, (laughs) but the third line um, did a good job of that and just doing the right things consistently over and over again, you know, on face-off wins, on, the penalty kill Frederick even spent some time on the penalty kill. Um, you know, I just, I thought as a whole, they all played well. And then when you pull hall off of it for a little bit to just try him, you know, on that power play unit with five forwards, um, you know, he's, he scores, but, um, obviously the other two aren't out there, but he's technically your third line guy now. So, um, and by the way, on that, not to like keep switching subjects randomly, but um, on that power play goal by Hall, I don't know if you noticed this, Scott, but I, you see the all forward unit come out. And then at one point, right after that whistle for the faceoff, um, I saw one just one player change out and it was Hall for DeBrusque. And so Hall comes on. And it was a, a great move, it turns out, because Hall's the one who ends up finishing. So um, that was just something interesting. I, I like took a mental note of because I was like, oh, just one person switching out, and that's who came on. We'll take away the uh, take away the first period because I think everybody kind of sucks in the first period for the Bruins. Um, 
I mean, from the, from the second period on, Hall was really, really strong um, as he was uh, against Colorado and, and, and other games of late, but, you know, he's, he, he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's, 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 he's carrying the puck through, you know, uh, he's gaining zone entry a lot more than he has been in, uh, in, in the past. Um, him, Coyle and Frederick, they're all doing a great job of um, protecting the puck down low. They're all strong on the puck. Um, Trent Frederick is, you can just see the confidence building for him. And, you know, he, he made one play today. It was, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just a, something that exemplified how much confidence he has and how he's, he's starting to figure this game out at, at this level where there was like a loose puck in, the, in, in his D zone. He was on the, uh, on the left wing boards and kind of a race for the puck. And he just kind of like chipped it off the, off the boards um, past the, the, the oncoming Vegas player and kind of deked around him and went and got it. And it was just like, okay, that's, that's a play Trent Frederick didn't, wasn't doing before. It was just kind of a nifty little play, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that line was really strong uh, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Be- before we get to the question, the, the listener question, um, someone we haven't talked about at all this game was Bergeron. And I have just two quick things. Um, first of all, that pass to set up the Marshawn goal was absolutely perfect. At first, live, I thought it was a shot that Marshawn whacked in, but then on the replay, it's very clear that he just hit Marshawn the perfect time, you know, perfect spot to finish it. Made it look easy. Both of them made it look easy. Second of all, there was a very scary, like almost horrible injury that happened with him behind the play. And I originally didn't see exactly what happened because it happened so fast. And I heard someone say, oh, that's not good. And I looked over and Bergeron was still down um, and he kind of started skating slowly. And I'm like, I missed it. I, I have to like look down at my monitor, see what happened. And come to find out he nearly like, lost an eye a skate hit him in the face like I knew it was his face because he skated off like kept like touching his nose like touching his face area and it looked a little bit red but that was so close to being really really bad yeah I noticed that that was scary that was very scary Uh, Scott did you pick up on that yeah well I I I only like I seen that something happened but i only noticed it was the skate after bridger pointed it out yeah i, um, I poked scott because scott yeah. and i scott lucky scott gets to sit next to me every game so i'm poking scott i'm like scott you just gotta skate in the face and so i and then i came home and like i said i caught the end of the game again when i first got home and we were waiting for scott and i am the slow-mo of it it's just like we're centimeters away from him like get like getting a huge cut on his nose or his eye and it's just like that can be a career ending injury and you would really hate to see something like that happen to him like at the end and and it just almost like go like all goes through your mind at the same time I was like wow that was really lucky um and those are like very rare but very serious injuries when the skate comes up like that in the face and he just happened to be falling down towards the other players feet and just well it's surprising it doesn't happen more often i mean there's you think about how many like you said it's very it's very um i just smacked my microphone it's uh it's very rare to see it but you you think about all the all the net mount scrambles and 
you know, guys tripping over each other and their legs going flying like, like that example. It's, uh, well, and someone brought it up the other day too. And so I just recently was having a conversation about this, the time that I forget who it was who got the skate blade in their neck David and Booth. the, the trainer came out and pinched off his arteries so that he didn't bleed out. <laughs> like it's, it's very it's dangerous. A couple times. I mean, the most famous was, or infamous or whatever was Clint Malarchuk, the Sabres Yeah, goalie. that's who it was. That's who it uh, was. Yeah, it happened to Richard Zednick, too, and that was probably like mid-late 2000s. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of, Zednick. I said, I said, yeah. what did I say? What was that guy's name? Booth? David Booth? He played uh, Florida. Yeah. But that, it, was, it was Zednick. That's, that's the Florida guy. It was Zednick, yeah. I mean, it happened, it happened to Evander Kane last month. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah. to his wrist, but, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's scary shit. Um, all right. Those so, are just just because we hadn't talked about Bergeron, I just want to bring those few little things up about him. I feel like a lot of times we don't talk about him because it's just like, yeah, Bergeron being Bergeron. So I uh, just figured I'd say. Well, that. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring him up, I mean, might might as well talk about too. I mean, he was talking to Bruce Cassidy after the game. I think it's worth talking about that. I mean, we haven't really talked much about um, Cassidy on this episode. I mean, because I mean, he's not a player, but so there's only so much we can really talk about. I mean, obviously the. Um, the tribute was great. I love seeing that. Um, I, I did. I did notice in his in his post game comments. He it was very subtle. I'm sure he meant nothing by it, but he um, he said he has like respect for. Uh, I think he said just about everybody in that in that locker. I referred to the Bruins locker room. Just about everybody isn't everybody. So I I, I, yeah. I don't know. I kind of read into that a little bit. And and then like a couple seconds later, he kind of like repeated the line and said everyone. Um... But yeah, I, I noticed that too. But I, you know, I don't know if there's much to it. Like he could have also just meant that he doesn't know everyone because there are a couple new players. But um, what, like Zaka? <laughs> it's just it's you know, yeah. it, it, it's also weird too because like in his post game comments, it's so strange because like I'm so used to watching, you know, Bruce do interviews about the Bruins, and you know he's referring to all the players with their nicknames. Like he's talking about how Cliffy's jumping into the Rushmore and, and, you know, Grizz, I was talking to Grizz's dad and, you know, Marsh's goal and Bergie's pass, like all this stuff. And it's just like, it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Like you're not their coach anymore. It's just like, it's, it's, it's weird to hear him talk like that, but he's not, he's not their coach, but it just goes to show how close he knows everybody. He's been there for six years or was here for six years. Um, I will say this, like, I'm glad if the Bruins, we all know the Bruins streak is going to come to an end. Um, I'm glad it didn't come to, you know, at the hands of like the blue jackets on a Tuesday and it, and it was, <laughs> it, it was Bruce Cassidy and it was a great hockey game. I mean, that really, like we talked about the first period wasn't the greatest of the Bruins at all. They dug themselves in the hole. And when they did tie the game, they squandered chances on the power play that they probably shouldn't have been on. Um, so, th- so, you know, despite out shooting Vegas, the Bruins did, they did, you know, have their reasons for losing this game, but it was a great game. So if it had yeah. to happen, I'm glad it was Bruce. And and Cassidy, like at the end of his post game availability, was asked, you know, what do you think about a rematch in the spring? And you know, he kind of smiled and he said, "I'd like to be here in the spring. Wouldn't that be nice, eh? Two good hockey teams <laughs> that are trending that way. A lot's going to happen between now and then, I'm sure." His his and Canadian each- really came out with that, eh? <laughs> yeah, he, he he never he really ever said spoke. Like I know that when he was here. No, uh, he, he never had a Boston accent though. Never, never, never grew on him. 
But I also found it funny how he said he, he was talking about how he got dinner last night or the night before at, uh, at Strega. And people were asking him, like, for restaurant recommendations in Boston. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I barely left Winchester except when I was going to the rink. So I found that funny, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a pretty storybook ending for Bruce Cassidy, right? He gets he, he goes to the finals and beats the team that fired him. That'd be we – would, we wouldn't like to see that, but that would be pretty sweet justice for him. Yeah, it would. And it would be a great storyline. And I'm sure, I'm sure like today people come, came out of the woodworks to cover this game. Like I was joking with Scott, like, oh, all of a sudden people decided to cover the Bruins um, because like they sent TV crews and different people to do like live hits pregame about Cassidy coming back and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> it's just that's a storyline people people would really like to to see. I mean, it's all it's already a great story. I mean, like the fact that he gets fired by the Bruins, the fact that he even had the opportunity to come here in December and be the team to be the first team to beat them at home this year is, I mean, obviously it's never happened before. Teams have gone into December with a home winning streak. So the the fact that that those stars aligned was 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 awesome for Bruce. Yeah, the fact that they, you know, the Avalanche didn't get a chance to do it because they didn't play very well, you know, the the night that the home game before. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is kind of it, it was interesting, and I feel like it was different. Like by the way, as reporters, we've been going down and interviewing the guys after only wins for all this time, and so it was always really easy and comfortable to talk. And I feel like people forgot how to ask questions like after a loss, like didn't want to like ruffle feathers. So they were just like, Oh, I don't want him to be mad at me. So I'm not going to ask this question. And I feel like no one asked questions about Bruce Cassidy and no one asked questions about the, like even about like the win streak at home coming to an end. Like I swear, like no one asked, everyone was like, like just quiet. Scott's Scott's interviewing Scott's Scott's interviewing uh, Montgomery. He's like, way to go dipshit. No, no, he was talking to Cassidy. A lot well, of the yeah, guys I was were say, over like, it, talking it didn't, to Cassidy. It didn't help that like sixty percent of the media corps went to talk to Cassidy instead, and and it was and just me for, for <laughs> talking to the Bruins. Now, just kidding. Like for people who don't know, you really can't do both post game because the coaches tend to talk at the same time. The locker rooms are open at the same time, so it's not in the playoffs. Sometimes they you know space everything out so you can catch everyone. But in the regular season, it's like you basically have to pick a team. So, well, yeah, not us I would say because like, we got we got we're the, like the only outlet that usually has two people go. So me and Scott just like and, and sometimes there's separate players like available at different times in the Bruins locker room. So we're like tapping each other. You go get him. I'll go get. Him. I'll go talk to this person. It's very helpful to have two yeah, people. Yeah, I, I was say. thinking. I like. I wonder if like Montgomery feels like you know, kind of like the media got to see their ex this you know these last couple days like and they were like we're, we're hey, all going over doing? to talk to cassidy yeah. after the game instead he's, of going to montgomery's press conference he's he's home eating ice cream watching chick flicks <laughs> listening to sad music 